Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 54 of the Kennedy Mile Report, brought to you by our great sponsors, Carbonite Pro, online backup for your law office. Carbonite Pro backs up your files automatically and continuously, so you're always protected. Learn more and try it free at CarbonitePro.com. Clio, online practice management for attorneys at GoClio.com. And firm manager from LexisNexis, a leading provider of information and business solutions. Try it out free at MyFirmManager.com slash LTN. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In the last podcast, we looked at storing files in the cloud. We're back from ABA Tech Show, and we saw lots of new stuff, uh, maybe a little bit too much, in fact. Tom, do you want to tell them what we'll be talking about in this episode? Sure, Dennis. In this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we will discuss the onslaught, if you can call it that, of new technology and how you can pace yourself. Uh, in our second segment, we'll take a question from one of our listeners. And as usual, we'll end with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can begin to use as soon as this podcast is over. But on to our first segment, where everything is new, 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 or at least that's the way it seems. Dennis, when you suggested this topic for our podcast, the first thing that I thought about was the Best Buy commercial that's been going on for a couple of months now, where people are buying the latest technology, uh, and then uh, the minute that they're buying it, they're seeing that something even newer and better is, has just come out. It it seems to me, when I see stuff like that, and, and really when I read the news, that what I would call, I guess, the frantic pace of technology, it doesn't allow us to enjoy the tools we have, even for just a little while. Have 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 you experienced this dilemma before? You know, I think I've experienced it for a, a long time. It always seems like when you buy something new that there is a next new thing that happens. But it always seemed like it was a few months or maybe half a year or so later that you would start to get that little bit of buyer's remorse. Now it seems like it happens right away that you hear, oh, my God, here's something new. There's a new announcement. Uh, but it really came home to me at, at Tech Show when uh, I was talking to people about how my iPad, which I, uh, as I told you, Tom, is now shipping to me, so I will actually have it uh, have my iPad 2 soon. I was talking about Excellent. how I was getting that iPad 2, and uh, – and I was. Uh, we also saw a demo uh, of the BlackBerry Playbook tablet, and I f people were saying to me after I told them I was getting the iPad too. They said, "Well, are you getting a Playbook too?" And I'm. And I was going like, "What in the world are you talking about? Like, why would I want two? You know, two devices that essentially do the same thing, and when I don't even have the first one in hand and haven't had the chance to learn it. But so I think there is that sense of like, "Wow, there's some next new thing," and I and I think it's moved out from just the gadget people. Um, who always wanted the newest <laughs> thing to to almost to almost everybody. So I do have a sense that, you know, as in all things technology, the pace of change is increasing. But it, it seems um, not just you know hardware, but it's sort of hardware as I where I really f uh, felt like I noticed. I don't know, Tommy. So you have the new book on the iPad, and I know I think people were asking you if you were getting the, you know, the BlackBerry and and other tablets. Uh, what, what's your reaction? Well, you know, I want to, I think we should 
for purposes of this discussion, kind of separate things out because I think you're right. People might that there. I think it's in general, it's in good. It's a good thing for there to be competition in the technology field. So I think that that where the real dilemma comes in is when you buy a playbook, I mean, or an iPad, and then a few weeks later the playbook comes out that has features that you like. Um, and I think that's kind of where the where where the real temptation comes. But where, where I think it's a problem, and where I think that there's really. Uh, Something that's more confusing and frustrating to me is where the competition itself is within the same product line. For example, with the new versions of the Android phones that seem to come out every two or three weeks, and each phone is even better and faster and stronger than the rest. And I think that's an, another way of looking at it. And it 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 doesn't happen to me as often as as. Uh, I mean, I think it's good that it doesn't happen to me that often, but I think that it's definitely a problem. And I think that you're right. I think it's, it's going to everyone now. I don't think it's just the gadget freaks. I tend to think of myself as an early adopter, which other people might say are a gadget freak. And I like to get things relatively soon after they come out. But, you know, if we, if we look at, um, what is it at Moore's law where, where they say that the number of transistors on a circuit board is doubling every two years. And so your things are getting cheaper and faster every two years. Well, I think that whatever pace is established by Moore's law is accelerating when it comes to technology. Um, and, and I think it's, it's very distracting. I, I think that makes it hard for people to know which one they should buy. Should they wait a few weeks or months until something better comes out? Should they wait for something new in their own area? Um, you know, I think that 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 um, one thing that do, when we talk about smartphones, one thing that I think saves people from that is the fact that they don't want to leave their carrier. And, uh, and I think that's one thing that prevents people from just jumping ship all the time. If people could leave their carrier, they might be going from device to device with a lot less uh, hesitation than they are right now. And I think that that it comes down to uh, something that I've seen called the fear of obsolescence. I think it's always been around, but I think, like you said, it's approaching us much faster these days. Uh, you know, I, I think, frankly, that the fear of obsolescence doesn't affect the, the consumer as much as it maybe affects the manufacturer. Because I think what a fear of obsolescence winds up doing, whether, whether we like it or not, is it leads a lot of people who aren't those gadget freaks to either put off buying um, until the next version comes out or just skip it entirely and not buy it. I mean, is that something you're seeing with people you talk to, Dennis? Yeah, so I, so I sort of saw two things at, at Tech Show that I thought were interesting uh, along these lines. And so one was this, you know, people wanting to have the newest and, and not just hardware, although hard, hardware sort of symptomatic, as, as you said. And uh, that's the most visible thing. The, the other place I really noticed this kind of push toward the new is in the area of apps. You know, so people are going, have you tried this app? Have you tried that app? And, you know, there was a session called 60 Apps in 60 Minutes. Well, it was sort of like you had the sense that people were trying that stuff, the, you know, the same day and trying all these different apps. And I'm sort of like, well, let me find something that's useful that fits into how I use things. And the idea of like downloading a zillion apps, new apps, seems like that would, you know, give me more of a sense of of feeling overwhelmed. And so I, I do think you have that more of that sense of feeling overwhelmed. I mean, what you talked about in Moore's Law and that, that doubling, uh, you know, Ray Kurzweil is called the singularity and that we're going to get that 
sense that the technology is sort of doubling in power every 18 months or two years, and the changes every few years are just going to seem bigger and bigger as that doubling, you know, goes out on the on the curve. And so I think we're feeling some of that. But the, the second trend I noticed was the number of people who would say things to me like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm still using this. I'm not sure what to do. I'm using this computer and it's six years old, or this laptop is eight years old, or it sort of does what I want. And I think that, you know, there, there has to be some kind of middle ground there where I don't, I don't know that you want to have the newest thing, you know, unless it fits what you're doing. You know, to me, if you're a photographer, then I think you, you know, it does make sense to kind of push for newer and newer cameras, more powerful cameras, better cameras in a way that fit what you need to do. But I don't know the rest of us. My sense is probably the camera that's in most anything, any camera we buy is going to be more than adequate for what we need. So I, I think there's a sense of realism that you start to lose, especially when you're in a, a group of people who are really pushing technology um, to go to the newest thing. And so, Tom, I, I kind of want to ask one way for me to frame this question is, if you already have an iPad 1, um, is there a compelling reason to say, oh, my God, I have to go out and get an, an iPad 2? Or can you just kind of go along perfectly happy as you were before that iPad 2 came out? I think for the majority of people who have the first version of the iPad, I think the answer to that is certainly no. I mean, the first iPad has all of the same features as iPad 2, unless you really need cameras. I mean, the, the second one has a front and back facing camera that makes it easier to obviously makes it possible to take pictures um, or to hold video chats. But for all practical purposes, I don't think you need to rush out and get the latest. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't direct this portion of my argument towards the early adopters. You know, I have an iPad, too. I tell myself that I did it because I just wrote a book on the iPad. And, and I think I need to be able to have the newest to be able to talk about it effectively. And to me, that's an effective argument, although people I've mentioned that to sort of looking look at it as a rationalization or as a cop out for for doing it. Um, it, it is part of it because I just wanted the latest new toy. I think probably that's true. But did I absolutely need the new one? Um, no, I didn't absolutely need the new one, which I think leads to kind of what, what we want to talk about for the rest of this segment is what people can do uh, to, to, to resist the onslaught of things. I think that people who have Android phones are in a tough situation because uh, the, the, the Android market is so fragmented because it's open, because they've allowed manufacturers to build their own devices based on the Android operating system. You're getting a lot of great devices that literally are coming out every month or so. And each one is getting fairly good reviews that people wonder to themselves, did I just buy the wrong one? Should I buy a new one? I think compounding the problem is that because these are all different manufacturers, they all seem to be running slightly different versions of the Android operating system. Nobody's on a, a single platform, which I think is leading to problems between both the developers and Google. But I think that that's something that Android users are really going to have to think about and how they plan on, 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 on dealing with that over time. Uh, I've got some ideas about how folks can do it. But Dennis, what are, what are some of your thoughts on how to, how to cope with the idea of something new coming out that frequently? Well, I think kind of stay away from your crazy tech friends. I mean, it's, it's probably a, a good way. I, I mean, I was thinking, <laughs> if you think back in the days of when 
Uh, I mean, there's still all this Web 2, but it's sort of like apps have become hotter in a way than Web 2. People are saying, you need this app, you need that app. And there's this sort of Robert Scoble effect of of Robert Scoble, you know, who's probably as influential in, in you know, new inter -technolo internet technology as anybody would all come say, here's this new Web 2.0 service that's going to change the world. And, you know, one time it might be Twitter, and another time it might be something that you never heard of. And then you're going, oh, my God, and, you know, there's this big furor about it. Everybody has to try it. And then a week later, Robert has kind of moved on to something else. And you wonder what the fuss was. And so I, I think that kind of to say, can I take a more balanced approach? Kind of, uh, you know, for me, as I've gotten older, I've really, I feel like I'm a lot better at saying, okay, what do I need this stuff for? What am I going to do? How am I picturing that I'm going to use this stuff? And does it fit in? Or in the case for me on the iPad 2, which I, I, I use your justification, Tom. I'm sort of like, well, Tom wrote a book on iPad, so I need to support Tom, right? Because Tom <laughs> wrote the book, so I need the iPad. But sort of for me, the Excellent iPad really reason. is is a gift to myself. Um, it's just a new technology I want to try. And if it fits into what I want to do, that will be awesome. I sort of see ways that it can do that. But in a way, I'm okay with that because of the price of it and, you know, different things. It's something I want to try to be be uh, you know, more aware of what's going on in that space. I'm okay with that, but it doesn't have the same justification for me to to move in the as I might in, uh, with other technologies. And then I think the other thing is to say, you know, you actually can wait a reasonable amount of time on some of the stuff. I don't know that you want to hang on to the same old technology six or eight years, but I don't I don't know that it ever has made sense to say, oh, I'm going to pay some big exit fee on my cell phone plan to go to a new phone. I, oh, yeah, I to agree. To me, it just, it just makes sense to say, hey, when the upgrade comes, I'll see what's available at the, at that time. So I'm, I'm really looking for what's a what's a balanced approach. And then to, to watch out for, I think a lot of people, once we buy a new technology, we're sort of committed to it. And so a lot of people say, this is the best, you know. And so you get in these quasi-religious wars about, you know, is Mac better, is Apple better, iPhone versus Android, all that stuff. And you can get swept up in that stuff. And people are saying, you know, no, this is better. And, you know, it may be based on specs or other things. You need to kind of step back and say, you know, I don't know that I need to have the best thing on some weird uh, you know, subjective or objective basis of somebody else, I really need to figure out what actually works for me that I can use effectively. And so, so I think kind of stepping back from the echo chamber a bit and starting to say, well, hey, what makes sense for me? I, I, do I need to really get into this battle over what's, what's newest and what's best? Well, you know, I think that when we, when we think about the idea of, of how, how people should balance that, I don't think that you should give up on on your friend like Robert Scoble. I, I think that you just need to learn how to take them in moderation and to understand that even if someone is my friend, they need to understand that uh, they don't need to have every bit of technology that I have, but maybe it's worth listening to what I have to say so that they at least understand what's out there and what makes sense, you know? And I think a certain certain part of it depends on the type of technology you're talking about. If we're just talking about a desktop or a laptop, um, you know, certainly from my time at, at, at the law firm, I think most businesses replace 
desktop and laptop computers on a three-year cycle. They try to on a three-year cycle anyway. So I think that waiting two to three or even four years for a new computer seems about right. I don't see the the innovation changing that often in, in, in those types of devices other than the fact that they can hold more, they can uh, um, accommodate more, more memory and, and, and run faster. But, uh, but I think that that period of time seems about right. I think where it's truly crazy is when we talk about the personal devices, when we're talking about smartphones and tablet computers and other types of these devices that are literally coming out all the time. I think that, that what makes sense is, um, you know, what kind of tech user are you? Are you the kind that always needs to have the latest and greatest? Most of you are not. And if that's the case, then go out, take a look, you know, rely on people like the Robert Scobles of the world, like the people who are out there reviewing these technologies, say, does this do what I want it to do and what I need it to do? Um, are there any tools that are that may be coming out in the next couple of months that can do a little bit better that I'm willing to wait for? Those are the kinds of decisions you're going to need to make. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put off making that purchase entirely. I think what you have to decide is what what makes sense to you, what works best for you. Um, don't give in to peer pressure and 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 hold on to that. I, I, I was going to say hold on to that device as long as you think you do. But but I know lots of people who've been holding on to their clamshell phones for seven or eight years now. And that doesn't make sense from that perspective either. So I think that keeping up to date and and understanding what's out there is is and, and making that switch when it feels right inside for you really makes the most sense. Want to take us out uh, of this segment on a closing thought, Dennis? Yeah, I, I just think there's, uh, you know, my sense is there's more cool stuff than ever coming out these days. And, and it, it really does make it hard for people. And then, you know, uh, you have a lot of people who like to say, because they love this new stuff. I mean, they just love it. It's, it can be world changing for people. And, and uh, I, there's no way to underestimate how cool some of this technology is. But I would be a little bit wary if people say you must have this or you must have that. I, I, I mean, I like, I like the approach you take to the iPad. Had and our approach in general is asking that question: Is this technology something that fits you? That uh, you know fills a need for you? That replaces something you have with with something better, or allows you to do something in, in a better way? Uh, I think that's the way to go. If you just love new gadgets, I mean, this is this is the heyday, and you just kind of cop to who you are and, and go out and buy the stuff, and and don't justify it on any other basis than that. Good ending thought there, Dennis. Before we move on to our next segment, we uh, will take a quick break with a few words from Legal Talk Network and our sponsors, Carbonite Pro, Clio, and Firm Manager by LexisNexis. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack is going to talk to us about the benefits of cloud computing. Now, what do you think the single biggest benefit to cloud computing is? In talking to our customers recently uh, about that very question, I was surprised with what came back with as, as a really resounding response, and, and that was that it's the convenience and the freedom that cloud computing affords them. The ability to get their work done from anywhere, whether it's at their office, at the courthouse, at home, or even if they're on vacation, they're able to get their work done where and when they need to get it done. Uh, the mobile aspect of things is also increasingly important. Well, with cloud-based software, you can access your data and software from your iPhone or your iPad, uh, your BlackBerry, 
uh, and other mobile devices. So for the uh, lawyers that are on the move, which is an increasing uh, proportion of lawyers, that's a, a really key benefit as well. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if anyone wants additional information on Clio, they can feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. A computer disaster is devastating. Imagine losing your client files and billing records. That's why more law offices are using Carbonite Pro online backup. With Carbonite Pro, your files are backed up automatically, so it really gets done, and continuously. They're stored securely and safely off-site. Plus, each employee can access their backed-up files from any computer or from their smartphone with a free app. Prices start at just $10 a month. Start your free one-month trial at CarbonitePro.com. That's CarbonitePro.com. Thanks for tuning into our program today. We want to let you know about something extraordinary happening in the legal industry. Right now, hundreds of independent attorneys just like yourself are working to bring a very special product to market. These attorneys are part of a development program at LexisNexis, and they are working under NDA on a brand new application that will change the way you run your practice. This solution, LexisNexis Firm Manager, is a web-based, highly secure application operating in SAS 70 Type 2 attested data centers. If you are interested in test driving LexisNexis Firm Manager at no charge, or to learn more, visit www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mall Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. Now, we always encourage questions from our audience, and we have one today. Actually, we got this from a number of people, and it's basically this. People know we were at ABA Tech Show last week, and they want to say, what were the big things that you guys learned at Tech Show this year? Tom, you want to start us off? Well, um, my problem with Tech Show was that I wound up having to work my real work a lot more than I had planned when I was at the conference. So I didn't get to see a lot of it. I was in a lot of meetings and in my hotel room for a part of the time. And so really the only time that I was out was when I was at the social events and giving the speeches. But kind of here are some of the thoughts that I had. I, I think the 25th anniversary of Tech Show, it was a great time to reflect on 25 years of technology. At one of our receptions, they had a museum of antique and ancient technology that was truly breathtaking to behold. The uh, the large computers that were there and some of the old tech magazines and things like that, which I thought was, was really tremendous. I thought that the crowds were um, more energetic than usual. Um, they were very interested and engaging and interested in asking questions. And, and I was very pleased with that. But you know, one thing that I thought that I'm taking away from it, and it, and it comes from a little slide that I saw during the 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 twenty fifth anniversary reception, where where we talk about uh, where I think that there are always going to be skeptics around new technology and around shows like Tech Show. Um, there was an art. There was a. a, a 
a slide that I saw which showed an article that had been written, I can't remember if it was the 70s or 80s, and it was extolling the virtues about how lawyers needed to start using a Selectric typewriter right away to be able to provide better service for their clients. And I am sure that back then there were skeptics who said, why do you need to use a typewriter in their in your practice? Just as sure as I am that back in the 90s, there were people, there were articles and skeptics about lawyers using computers in their practice, and later on about lawyers using laptops in their practice. And today, there are skeptics about whether people should use iPads in their practice. And I think that Tech Show taught me and has taught me that this is always going to be the case. There will always be innovation in legal technology. And I think, and Tech Show is a great example of that. And there will always be a segment of the legal community that pushes back or questions that innovation. And I think that's a good thing in general. It keeps us from pulling ahead without regard to the entire legal community, and it helps us to continuously find ways to educate and include everyone. That's what I think is one of the benefits of Tech Show, and that was kind of one of my big takeaways this year. Dennis, how about you? Well, I, I too, I, a couple of things, but I, the point you make, there was that sense of time and continuity and, you know, 25 years and things that people were talking about 20 years ago. They're, they're still kind of hot topics these days. I mean, it sort of gives you a sense of, you know, with technology, you think, oh, and it relates to our first topic, you know, new, change, all this stuff is going to happen quickly. And a lot of things, especially technology and law, takes a long time. And, and a lot of people get involved in these things and they advocate it for a while. Some people get warned out after a while that nobody listens to them. And, but gradually, the stuff comes in uh, to the legal profession and it comes in in so, sort of interesting ways. It's just the, the time frame is longer. And so so there was that, that sense of this evolution that takes time. And we're really now starting to see some of the payoff of things that were being talked, out, uh, talked about even 10 years ago, I guess. Probably some people would say 25 years ago. It's just different. And there's more possible now. So some of the th things you say, wow, I imagine a day where you could do something this fast and had this fast of access to the Internet. And now it's like not only do you have this fast of access to the Internet, you have it from wherever you are through a phone. And that really opens things up. So you kind of see the payoff of that discussion. I guess the other thing that I would point out was I was really struck by um, this notion of apps. Uh, so, you know, iPad apps, Android apps, uh, you know, mobile computing, uh, all these different things where we're talking about apps. You know, that whole idea you could have a session on 60 apps in, in 60 minutes. And and so I think, we're, you know, we've talked about the mobile platform and, and the way that the technology environment is changing. I, start, I think we're starting to really see that start to happen. And Tech Show kind of gives you a glimpse of the forefront of that, I think. So you want to be realistic about that. But I I think there's that. And and I think that the apps thing also leads to something else, which is this new segmentation. So it used to be that the Internet that I saw was the same Internet that you saw. And the technology choices I made were probably the same things you did. But especially on the Internet, it sort of seemed like we all say saw the same thing and experienced it in roughly the same way. Now it's very different. People use very different tools. Um, you know, the internet looks different when you're on the phone. It looks different through apps. Uh, you know, if you use, you know, search is a little bit different than it used to be. And so I think you get that segmentation and, and maybe that does bring back that notion that we were talking about where people are saying, no, no, my way is the best way. This is the app to use when you go like, well, no, there's a lot of choices and this one makes sense to me, but it changes that, that commonality that we all 
all had in our experience with technology. And so I, I think that will be an interesting issue over the next five or 10 years to say, how as we move to a more individualized internet from a more universal one, what are some of the implications of that? I don't know, Tom, do you have uh, uh, a final thought on this? You know, I think you're right. I, I, when, when you mentioned 60 apps in 60 minutes, and then you consider that uh, the iPhone store has 65,000 apps and the um, iPad store has 35,000 apps, 60 is only barely scratching the surface. And I think you really do get to that idea that, 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 Technology is getting more segmented and that people aren't always generally using the right tool, but that conferences like Tech Show, I think, are good to bring people together to talk about them, to share those ideas with each other, that there is so much out there these days that that people do benefit from learning from one another things that they might not otherwise know. I, I What I was very pleased to see th- at this conference, and I think it's not that it was anything new at this one, but that it's kind of gotten bigger and better, is the continuing adoption of new tools. I mean, I can't believe the number of iPads that I saw that were out there, and, and whether that's a, a, a good thing or a bad thing i think it's i think it's interesting to see people trying out new technologies i'm also pleased with the attention that our mac track at tech show has gotten and the number of people using macs i think really the growing adoption of macs in law practice is fantastic and i really think that tech show is the one legal technology conference that is highlighting that trend which i i don't think you can find in other places Thanks, Tom. Now it's time for our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. All right. I have two quick parting shots. The first one, again, is self-serving. I talked about my book last po- uh, podcast. It has The book has a companion blog. The blog is called iPad for Lawyers. You can reach it on my, through my personal website. So if you go to www.tommile.com slash iPad, you can get to my new blog where I uh, in- introduce new apps, review tools, talk about ways to use the iPad. I'm having a lot of fun so far. I've been doing it for a week now and having a great time. My other uh, parting shot has to do with our episode last week. Uh, since we talked last week, there's been a lot of discussion the past week about whether sites like Dropbox uh, will turn over all your information to the government if they asked for it. And there is some concern that that might happen specifically with Dropbox and the fact that your data is not encrypted um, so that Dropbox can actually turn over that data in unencrypted format. Well, if you go to the Dropbox site, there is at wiki.dropbox.com slash tips and tricks slash increase privacy and safety and uh, an entire page on how to encrypt or, or otherwise secure your Dropbox files so that other people can't see them. Some are easy, some are a little bit more complicated, but good ways to think about if you want to uh, be able to protect and secure the information that you're using on Dropbox. They may have them for other sites, but I know specifically the, the, the focus has been on Dropbox the past two weeks, so I thought I would give that link as a parting shot. Dennis. You know, Tom, you and I have talked about this a little bit, and sort of one of the highlights of for me of Tech Show was I got the chance to ride back to or fly back to St. Louis, sitting next to to our friend Ernie Svensson, the blogger known as Ernie the Attorney. And and one of the things that you and I have talked about, and Ernie and I have talked a lot about, is that we really love podcasts, and it's kind of difficult to come up with a way to say, "Hey, I just listened to a great podcast episode. I want to share it with people." Um, and there's a number of reasons for that, and we've just tried to figure out, but mainly it's just hard to you know, have the URL handy and, and to send that around. So 
I want to, once again, and on my parting shot, I want to recommend a podcast episode um, as my way of kind of trying to share great podcast episodes. So uh, Dr. Moira Gunn does a podcast called Tech Nation. She's a fabulous interviewer, and she has a way of talking to technology people in a way that makes what they're saying really understandable and really interesting. So in the most recent one, which I believe is an April 20th uh, episode, uh is uh, in, in a podcast called Tech Nation on IT Conversations. Um, she talks to Stephen Rosenbaum, who used to be at MTV, and he's written a book called Curation Nation, and it talks about uh, a lot of topics Tom and I have been talking about. So, is you know, is search breaking down, email breaking down? What's the impact of of this widely scattered internet, and how do we? depend on uh, sort of curators, people who keep track of information and kind of point us in the right place. It's about 40 minutes long. It's I just think it's fantastic. Uh, uh, Steve Rosenbaum wrote a new book called Curation Nation, uh, subtitle Why the Future of Content is Context. Uh, just a terrific podcast that, that I recommend if you're interested in some of the issues that we've been talking about lately. Excellent tip, Dennis. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today, will be eventually available on our show notes wiki, which still does need to be repaired at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episode topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. Make this podcast the shiny new podcast in your iTunes subscription list. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.